turn around and around. Around and around? Yeah, like your car was tumbling over and over. Oh, because I was moving the phone so I could I know, it was funny. It was like Godzilla was like grabbing your car and tossing it. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. That's my Godzilla. Isn't that Godzilla? Godzilla. Maybe that's Godzilla's three year old nephew. (laughs) Wow, that makes sense. All right, Davy Davy. Today is our la- our last episode. It's not our last episode. <laughs> it's our fourth episode. Yes. But this one is called The Last Goodbye because it's about Jimi Hendrix. All right. This isn't a true 27 Club episode. I know I said last week, the last of our true 27 clubs. And Jeff Buckley was about 30 when he died. Something like that. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, whatever. I but wanted. To- he was closer to his father's death, so. Yeah, exactly. And uh, who else to compare to Jimmy fucking Hendrix, like, than another extremely talented guitarist like Jeff? Right, and singer and write- songwriter. Yeah, I mean the whole package. Jeff and Jimmy could have done a really bitchin' duet with each other. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix would have been like in his 50s, though. That would have been interesting. That would have been really interesting. But anyway, let me start with my Jeff Buckley story. Um, So I worked at Tower Records in the 90s. That's right. I'm cooler than you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. I just wanted to say that. I'm going to be your epic man and laugh at your jokes. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, remember, I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm Zero Mostel and you're Gene Wilder. Right. Well, we can have other analogies. I know we can because who's going to know who the fuck Zero Mostel is except the third? Who's going to know who Ed McMahon is? That's true. I watched more Zero Mostel than Ed McMahon, though. Anyway, (laughs) my Jeff story. Yes. Uh, I was working at Tower, and a, fr- a co-worker had said, have you ever heard Jeff Buckley? Because she knew that I love Tori Amos. I know I say that every episode. Guys, I love Tori Amos, okay? I've seen her every tour since 1994. Anyway, um, so I bought Grace, and I put Grace on, and I heard the first lead-in into Mojo Kin, and I listened to the lyrics. You know, I still feel your hair. I still smell that city dress, your simple city dress. And I heard this beautiful, angelic, muse-like voice just singing over it. And I was like, what is this? And this is like literally the first 15 seconds of the goddamn song, or the first minute of the song, you know? And, uh, and, And Grace remains 
in my top five all-time favorite albums ever. I think right now my all-time favorite albums are a top seven. And not only Grace, but Are You Experienced are both in my top seven favorite albums of all time. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, I know Are You Experienced is in my top ten. Oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah. I, are You Experienced, I said last week when I first heard it, I was like, oh, my God, I want to be in the music. Yeah. And I, when it, that, that's always been my soul feeling when I listen to music and it, and it attaches to my soul. I'm like, I have to be in the song. I can't just listen to the song. I gotta. I understand that. I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, you just want to absorb everything. Beauty is. I just let the music like take me away from reality. You know, it's the best well, way. I don't to use it, it as an escapism. I use it as an enhancement, like a drug. Oh, no. You know. Oh. I didn't mean I was using it as escapism. I'm, I mean, I just got so into the music that I like went into a trance and I wasn't aware of anything else. Yes, the trance, exactly. The trance. And Grace, I, I just, oh my God, I listened to The Last Goodbye the other day. I listened to Grace when I was like, what are we naming this episode? Like, I want to name it Waterfall because, you know, I love May This Be Love. And, right. And that's my song with the new man. Mm -hmm. mm. But anyway. Um, but I just was listening to Last Goodbye and it's one of my favorite songs ever. And I'm just like, I'm going to name the episode Last Goodbye because I want to properly say goodbye to Jeff. Cause you know what happened after I'd listened to Grace for the first time? When I went back to that coworker a couple days later, Jeff Buckley had disappeared. Really? Two days after that, he was declared dead. Oh, so you were turned on to him right before his death. Right before his death. I had no time to go to New York and see him play at Cine or any of that shit. Yeah. I, I just, it was 97. I got into him too late. You know? Yeah, I'm glad I got a chance to see him. I know. I'm so jealous of you. Oh, my God. If I were to see Jeff. I did have one interesting uh, story. Um, I was in my Philly days, I was at this pub I used to go to all the time uh, called the Ministry of Information. And it's named after uh, the place in the movie Brazil by Terry Gilliam. Uh-huh. You know, the 1984 Yeah. 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 And I love that bar. And um, Howie Day opened up for Tori Amos that year. I don't know who that is. Yeah, he's some guy who had a really popular song in the aughts called Collide. Okay. So I don't care about opening acts usually. I didn't know who Howie Day was. I just went to see Tori. But then I went to the pub after, and Howie Day was there with his entourage. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we had to sneak his 19-year-old girlfriend into <laughs> the pub. The pub doesn't exist anymore, so I think I'm allowed to tell that story. Okay. Anyway. I don't know, because we snuck an underage girl into a bar. Um, it's like <laughs> four years ago. Who gives a shit? That's true. Oh, yeah. She's like 30-something now. All right. Well, she was annoying. And uh, I was trying to say hi to Howie and, and ask him if he was a Tory fan. Because I'm like, I don't know your music. Do you like Tory? You opened for her. You know? But I went to the huh. jukebox at one point. 
because every time I try to talk to him, I I know it's a 19-year-old girl thing. She was clinging on her rock star boyfriend. I get right. it. I want your boyfriend. I just wanted to say hi and talk music. Yeah. So I go up to the jukebox, and I'm playing Jeff Buckley, and suddenly Howie Day is behind me. He's like, play every Jeff Buckley song. So I did. Huh? And then him and I would see each other in the bar and be like, last goodbye, or Mojo Pin, or Grace. Eternal brother, dream brother, I mean, yeah. eternal life. You know, it was it was a caught fun night. My, one of my brush with a former celebrity musician. Yeah. Yeah. Hi-o. No, don't hi-o me. I'm not Johnny Carson. All right. I'll have, to tell the story. I'll have to tell the story sometime of uh, the British rock star who was in a band that, that they were one-hit wonders. And my ex-wife's husband knew him, and he came to our Passover Seder. Oh, yeah, you told me that. Did you Have yeah. you told the people here about your ex-wife, Terry, who I'm in love, by the way, and I'm going no, to go but I, I'll but, tell. I'll, tell, I'll talk about Terry some other time, because we got a lot to get through. Okay. Sounds good. You guys will love Terry's story. Woo, I'm going to write her autobiography. Well, let me just say real quick, my first ex-wife, I've been married twice, her third husband was in the rock and roll journalism biz. So he got to interview and write books and magazines or magazines articles about like every rock star you could think of. And some of the older, sort of more washed up rock stars that weren't popular anymore, um, he became friends with a lot of them. So I'll tell that story one time about, yeah, how, yeah. about the guy to our Passover Seder. <laughs> yeah, and that guy's name is Ken Sharp, and his ex-wife is Terry Sharp, who was yeah. a rock photographer who has made some amazing rock. Oh, yeah, she's a great photographer, and she's um, photographed so many rock stars, and I actually got paid a couple times to do some Photoshop work on some some of her photos. Let's not say which ones. I know who right. you photoshopped. <laughs> Let's not announce that because we'll definitely. All right. <laughs> you want to get to get yeah. to? The, I want to get waterfall. Well, let me just say something before you start looking at the at the notes. Okay. Because <clears throat> I remembered what my. Um, what my uh, premise, <clears throat> not premise, what's the word I'm looking for? <clears throat> Prefix. I mean, preface aren't they the same shit? <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but the main thing, the main theme of this uh, episode is that Jeff Buckley and Jimi Hendrix were both extremely sensitive um that's what made them great musicians but also my speculation is that they both carried around a lot of hidden pain a lot of deep pain from their childhoods yeah and the way they dealt with it was through their music that's how why their music was so incredibly emotionally intense yeah. um but when it came time to you know start working on that stuff start healing it for whatever reason they both chose to just check out rather than work on their 
stuff. And that's not a criticism. It's just what happened. Yeah, exactly. So that's my thesis or premise or whatever word I'm looking for. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know what? I did leave a note out I wanted to talk about. Sorry, not the background. Okay, go ahead. Okay, last week we were conflicted. I thought Amy Winehouse died of alcohol poisoning. Dave thought drugs. Um, it was alcohol poisoning for anyone who's going to continuity strike us. So I was right. You were right. Get back to your computer. He was right. <laughs> you were right. I was wrong. That's okay. I was just, I wasn't trying to play the I right. Know. I'm just messing with you. I know you are. You know okay. me, though. I like to be correct. No, I don't, correct. I don't just say correct. I say correct. Correct. <laughs> correct. You say correct in the correct manner. I do say correct in the correct manner, you David. You are correct. correct. What? I said you're very correct. Why, thank you. But let's you're get right to it now. What? You're quite welcome. Oh, thank you. So right. Jim Hendrix, his first thing is Pluto personalized aspecting both his sun and moon. Okay, now this seems to be in every chart in the 27 Club. I'm getting sick of talking about this, actually, so I'm glad this yeah. is the last one. That's another every reason. 27 Clubber has a super strong Pluto. <clears throat> Yeah, and I talked time. about, <clears throat> hold on a second, I'll drink some water. All right, let me talk while you're doing that. This is why this is our real final, this is like the trilogy of 27 clubs. There were a lot of people we wanted to do. Again, there's birth times, there's interest on what we want to do. But guys, if you want us to do someone, let us know and I will look it up and we will you know, because we, yeah. we always use it. I would love to hear what your ideas would be because we always come up with our ideas, but we know what we like. We want to hear what other people want to hear. Yeah, we have a lot of cool ideas. Something that every member of the 27 Club has. Pluto is personalized. Um, Pluto is the planet that has to do with death. And when it's personalized, that means it's aspecting your sun or your moon. And Jimi Hendrix has the aspect of both. And I think some of the other 27 clubbers did too. Mm -hmm. So in a medical astrology, the sun and the moon have to do with your physical health um, of your body just in general. And since he has Pluto aspecting both of them, then that's you know, an indication that this person might die before their time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I don't have to say that again because I'm getting tired of talking about yeah, Pluto. Yeah, we're getting sick of Pluto. Pluto's done. Yeah, we're I'm, sick of Pluto. Yeah. Pluto, got, yeah. Got, for our second season, we have like, well, August is going to be a couple of, we can just have some fun shit. It's not just going to be, oh, a tragic death. I mean, it is going to no, be. No, it's not just going to be musicians either. We're going to do. Yeah, we're going to go artists, writers. writers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chaos magicians. I can't wait yeah, for that magicians. one. We're gonna have people who do magic, occultists. Occultists. Yeah, that should be cool. Yeah, that'll be dope. All right. You All right. The next one. Yes, I do, my love. 
it is his son is sextile in Neptune. Okay. Um, I don't really, oh, to show his sensitivity. Okay. Neptune is people who have a strong Neptune. His Neptune is personalized. People with very strong Neptunes tend to be extremely sensitive. And this is what made him such an incredible guitar player and songwriter. Um, his playing is so, it's, it's heavy, but at the same time, it's fluid and watery. And um, I think that's why. So it's what made him such a phenomenal musician, but it also made him a very sensitive person in general. And if you ever see a film of him being interviewed, he comes across as very sensitive. Did he? I've never really seen any interviews with him. Well, he didn't give many. Mm. Well, that makes sense. He seemed, yeah. if you had said, you know, you had said, Jeff Buckley was kind of a mystery too, you know? Yeah. All right, next one. Okay. That would be um, Moon conjunct Jupiter Cancer. Okay, so Jimmy has his Moon in Cancer. So the Moon rules Cancer, and when a planet's in the sign, it rules. It makes it very strong. So he had a very strong Moon, and um, it was in Cancer that made him extreme. Another thing that made him extremely sensitive, and. Uh, the Jupiter, also in Cancer, sort of blew that, the needs of the moon, it, it exaggerated them. So he needed more emotional connection with people than most. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm having tech difficulties. It's all right. You still hear me? Okay. I can hear you. All right. Did you want to say something about may this be love or no? Or did you already say it? I had always thought when I first heard this song, I, uh, I think this was around the time I finally started to listen to Are You Experienced? And then I heard this song and I was like, what is this? Like, it made me think, is Jimi Hendrix a Pisces? But he's not. And I, thought it was the most watery, beautiful song. It was like ripples in a green sea, you know? It is very watery. Yeah, and it's, you you know how watery I am, so right. completely compared to my nature. And I was like, this is one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. Well, even though he's not a Pisces, he might as well be because his son is aspecting Neptune, which rules Pisces. Yeah. Yeah. That, plus his moon is in cancer. Yeah, he's got a lot of Piscean behaviors. He's got a lot of watery stuff in his chart, yeah. Yeah, and that's another thing about some 27 Club people. They're either very fiery or they're very watery. Well, he has a lot of fire, too, because his sun is in Sag, and it's conjunct his Venus and his uh, Mercury. So oh, that's wow. what made him so intense when he performed. You know, he would you know, play with his teeth, play behind his head, make sexual mood gestures and movements with the guitar. It was like he was fucking his guitar on That's stage. Awesome. 
O da Tatori does, she fucks her piano. Like, she gives her mic a blowjob, and it's awesome. (laughs) She used to in her younger rock days, you know. She's a very elegant Tori now, you know. Yes. All right, what's the next one? The next one is Moon Conjunct Jupiter Cancer. No, we just did that one. Sorry, Moon Trine Mercury. Moon Trine Mercury. Now, there's another thing that would make his songwriting very watery and sensitive because Mercury has to do with writing and thinking too. And since it's trying his moon and cancer, um, there's another big watery, uh, watery element. However, again, as I've said before, when you have too much water, if things go wrong and you can't deal with your shit, it's very easy to turn to drugs and alcohol. And Jimmy did a shit ton of drugs. He mm-hmm. died from sleeping pills, which is very Neptunian. So um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's a feature episode we're going to get into. Um, one of my favorite episodes coming up when we talk about a conversation you and I once had about men versus women killing themselves and how harsh and soft they go. So that'll be a fun conversation. Okay. And um, I did want to, you know, I wanted to say, I remember I was thinking, well, we're up to Chiron and Leo squaring sun and Mercury conjunction in Sagittarius. Okay. So Chiron, as you know, <clears throat> or as it, if you may remember, is the planet that has to do with your deepest wound. And it also has to do with healing. So wherever Chiron is, there's where your deepest pain lies. So Jimmy has his in Leo. And he has it in the eighth house, which is Pluto's house. He actually also has Pluto in the eighth house. I don't know why, how I missed that. I guess because I'm just sick of fucking Pluto, but. I know. I mean, that's a really strong placement. Pluto is in its own house and it's conjunct. Well, it's almost conjunct his Chiron. It's very close to it. Um, so there you have. The Pluto represents his demons, his inner demons, the, the, the emotional baggage he carries around. Chiron is there to help him heal that. And his North Node is also there, which shows that that was one of his tasks in this life is to heal himself. But yeah. unfortunately, he didn't do that. Like I said before, I feel like him and Jeff, this is just speculation, but I feel like him and Jeff both worked out their shit with their music, but it wasn't enough. And there came a time when they just were like, I can't take it anymore. So that's it for that. Yeah. Uh, And I had a joke here that, or just a quip, and I'm like, does this quip even apply anymore? Oh, I guess I wanted to say, you know what? Forget it. Okay. I forgot I wanted- to mention the, um, that the Chiron is squaring 
his son. Um, so that's another thing that, because your son represents yourself and your self-perception. And if Chiron is making an aspect to that, that means he had insecurities about himself that needed to be healed. And he had the means to heal them. But again, I think he just used his music and then he decided to just go. To just give up without it. See, that's odd because, you know, again, speculation, but it's a, light, a nice slice of insight into yourself and maybe your workings if you, yeah. you know, well, relate he did, to he that. He did so many drugs. I mean, he was just constantly on drugs. So that's, I think, if he, maybe if he wasn't, wasn't on drugs so much, he might have been able to get his shit together. Yeah. But he was, I don't know about Jeff Buckley, but Jimi Hendrix was on drugs like all the fucking time. Um, as far like, as I know, Jeff Buckley really wasn't a drug addict. Okay. It wasn't his thing. I mean, that's how his dad went, so why would he? Right. Well, you we'll know talk what about I mean? him. Well, wait till we get to Jeff. Yeah, we'll talk about Jeff. Yeah. Um, well, next we have, did we do the... Yeah, we already talked about it, actually. His Chiron conjunctus. Yeah. We talked about it. So let's go to Mars and Scorpio Singleton, another Singleton. You there was a thing before that, though, that said, me, how I relate. Is that something you want to talk about? I think I already did. Okay. I don't have to read my notes. If I don't go to them, don't mention them. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. There's just a couple other things I noticed. He has Mars and Scorpio. And it's a singleton. And what, what a singleton is, it's a planet that's not aspecting any other planets. It's pretty rare. And whatever that planet represents is an aspect of the person's personality that they have a hard time owning. It seems like it's something outside themselves. It doesn't seem like it's part of who they actually are. Do you so, think you um, accept the rock star in him? What's that? Do you think he didn't accept the rock star in him? Um, no, I think he loved being a rock star, to be honest with you. Okay. But I think that there were things outside him. Remember, it's in, it's in Scorpio, so it's hyper, hypersensitive mm. and it's very intense. And Mars is aggression. And I think throughout his life, he may, may have experienced a lot of aggression um, directed towards him which damaged him emotionally. Again, speculation, but that's what I think that, that means. Yeah, now I see that. And then Jimmy's last note is Venus and Sagittarius opposing Uranus. Yeah, that's, Jimmy was kind of a player from what I know about him. He never really could find a woman that he could like really be committed to. Um, but he was also very hypersexual. He was um, oversexed. So I think this is why, because Sagittarius is notorious for not committing, for being non-committal and being a player. And he had his Venus there. And it was opposite Uranus. And Uranus also needs freedom. And it doesn't like to be um, tied down to any kind of commitments. So that's yeah. why I... And that was like, and that was a lot like Jim Morrison too. He thought well, being committed would take away his freedom. 
Right, but he did have a girlfriend that he stuck with, even though he wouldn't marry her. He stuck with her for several years. And Jimmy didn't stick with anybody longer than, I don't know, six months or something. Yeah. He, he just went from woman to woman. You know, he never had a woman that he really I mean, had. No, a... that could be the way to do it, you know. <laughs> uh, well, it's... Different, different strokes for different folks. I'm not saying it as a criticism. It's just... Oh, I know you're not. Yeah. But yeah, like, I would imagine, especially if you're a big fucking rock star, like, or celebrity, like, why would you want to be just get right into that normal breeder bullshit. Why wouldn't you want to explore your career and your options and go travel and shit? You yeah. know what I mean? I agree. Also, you got to remember it was the late 60s and that was like the height of the whole free love thing. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because the Beatles were all, well, you know, they sowed the wild oats, but then they all got married and were like normal married people. But that was early. That, that was the early John. Poor Patty. Oh the yeah, girl. except for John. No, Patty was um, George's wife. Oh George, yes. Yeah. George was John's wife. who fucked over Patty. Poor Patty. He <laughs> didn't fuck over Patty. It was it was the marriage just didn't work. Oh okay. And Eric Clapton was in love with her, and then she married Eric Clapton. She has the 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 the. Um, Pat, that woman, Patty, had two of the greatest rock stars of the 60s write a love song for her. I don't think anyone yeah. else can say that. Because no. the song Something by George Harrison was about Patty, and the song Layla was about Eric Clapton's yearning for Patty before he got her. Oh, and then he wrote another song about her called Wonderful Tonight after they were married. Oh, and two fucking song. songs by Clapton written for her. Yeah, so she has three songs written by two greats. Yeah. That's a pretty impressive, right? I would just, that would be the only things on my resume. Eric Clapton <laughs> wrote two songs about me whilst the other dude wrote one. Oh, yeah, the beat. Kind of, John <laughs> did fuck over Cynthia because when he met Yoko, like, he just didn't, he was like, sorry, Cynthia, you know, fuck wow. off. When it's instant connection like that, I mean, think about what I don't. I'm not fans of John and Yoko, but like you know, growing up seeing their like love and how they wanted yeah. to express it in their own weird way, I always thought that was sweet. You know, yeah. I don't know why there's so much Yoko hate. Because everybody thinks she broke up the Beatles. Because the well, Beatles, she John insisted on having her like joined at the hip and he insisted on having her in their recording sessions and the rest of the Beatles did not want her at the recording sessions and it led to a lot of bad blood between John and the rest of them. I understand that but as people change and relationships change yeah you know John wanted to move into other forms of music with his lady love like I get that but yeah, I'm sure that, you know, they're, like you said, they were working class Liverpudlians. I'm sure they got in a lot yeah. of- Yeah, there was already a lot of stress in the band from other things too. She was like the straw that broke the camel's back. 
Yeah. A lot of other but issues. I don't think she deserves all the blame for breaking. No, up. no, that's, that's what I'm saying. She was the straw that broke the camel's back. They had yeah. plenty of issues besides Yoko. Oh, okay, good. But because it's easy. It's easier to blame a, a person than to look at all the issues and, and try to solve them. Yeah, exactly. But I, I remember, you know, yeah, I, I always thought John and Yoko like had a really nice, it was their version of love, you know? Yeah, they were always, totally in love for sure. Yeah. And I always enjoyed looking at pictures of them and stuff, you know? Yeah. And how about the picture on Rolling Stone where John is naked and he's in you know, a like yeah, a and he's he's I I love that picture because yeah. it was what in the seventies the eighties yeah seventies or maybe eighties but it been the eighties yeah when traditional male roles are still the motherfucking gorilla ape bullshit I have a big dick I have a big truck I have a big fragile male <laughs> fucking ego you I know? know and John was showing how. Hey guys, you can embrace a sensitive side, even if you're a guy. Look at how many children. What? You can take care of your children full time. Exactly. Because that's like, what he did with Sean. He took care of, and Yoko went out and did whatever. That's awesome. That's kind of work. Well, hey, me and my co-parent, like, we're pretty much both. You know, when he's not working, you know. He has his time with our girls and we have our own time together with the girls and I have my time with our girls, you know. Yeah. It's a nice dynamic and it you know, is. John and Yoko made their shit work. Yep. What's this episode about again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a Beatles fan. Jimmy and Jeff. <laughs> All right. We're done with Jimmy though. Yeah, we're done with Jimmy. So in my head, it's really dorky. I call Tori Amos, no, I call Kate Bush the soul and Tori Amos the spirit. And I call Jeff Buckley the muse. They're my three archangels of music hovering oh, over me. Yes, my soul, spirit, and muse. And Jeff Buckley just, I think it's because the impetus of his music was a muse, you know? He sang about his loves. Right. And it was like, when you're a girl, listen to that. It's like, damn, can't wait till someone feels like that about me. You yeah. know? But I love Jeff. I can't think of anything else to write. Oh. You want to get started then? Yeah, I want to get started. I don't have any... I'm like, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Oh, I do have an extremely rare CD called Closed on Account of Rabies, which is a bunch of spoken word artists and musicians doing Edgar Allan Poe, and Jeff Buckley does The Raven. Oh, wow. And that's yeah. your favorite, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's wonderful. Oh, you have to play that for me sometime. I shall. So Jeff Buckley, here's my favorite Dave note, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weird, intense chart. <laughs> yes. I don't want to go into it because, um, I mean, I don't want to say what it is because we're going to be looking at different aspects of it. But when I looked at his chart, it was just like, holy shit. It's an intense, <laughs> intense chart. It's the chart of somebody who is very fucking intense. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we'll yeah. get into some some of what makes it so weird and intense. What's the next one? Yeah. Saturn in Pisces in the eighth house. Okay. So again, this is a common thing we've been seeing with the 27 clubbers. Um, a clash between earth and water. Water dissolves earth. Water breaks down earth. Earth is the body. Saturn in particular represents the physical body. It's in Pisces. That's a bad sign to be in. It's also in the eighth house, which is Pluto's house. So it's the house of death. So there you go. And it's opposing Pluto. So, I mean, I don't even have to tell you guys what that means. If you've been listening to our podcast, you'd be like, oh, there's that fucking Pluto shit again. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's just like, a really um, bad placement for Pluto. There's so much there that could lead to an early death. It doesn't have to. You got to realize I'm just speculating on how these things played out. It could play out in a different way. Okay, mixing. Yeah, and um, you know, it's funny, I keep thinking of all the, the Pluto shit, and I just always think of Eddie Izzard and Dress to Kill when, uh, talking about despots and their planners, like, death, 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 lunch, death, <laughs> death, 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 afternoon tea, and I'm like, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> I love Eddie Izzard. Who doesn't? Ah. Oh. People haven't heard of him. He's kind of obscure. Unless you're into British humor. True. People, yeah, Dress to Kill, 1998. Eddie Izzard. That's my plug for this episode. Watch it. Building a henge, are we? Anyway. Right, in, the, in the next, next one, just read the first thing. Okay. Chiron and Ace in Pisces conjunct Saturn. All right. I think I just talked to... Now I talked about Saturn in the eighth. All right, he also has Chiron in the eighth, in Pisces, conjuncting Saturn. So once again, there's that water that is, you know, make, make, making his um, his Saturn fall apart. He may have felt very ungrounded. I'm speculating that Jeff, for all his sensitivity and all his amazing musical ability, he may have felt very ungrounded. And part of that I think might have to do with his father not being there. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Um, but so Chiron is there too. So again, there's something that needs to be healed. And like I said, I feel like him and Jimmy both got that stuff out in their music, but it just wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. so that's it for that <laughs> <laughs> well Saturn in opposition of Pluto once I again think I already mentioned, we already mentioned Saturn opposing Pluto yeah yeah, yeah. let's skip that Uranus opposing Saturn did we do okay. that so Uranus is not a good planet to have there either because Uranus is things happening suddenly and unexpectedly and mysteriously and that's how he died his death was very mysterious. Nobody really understood how it happened, why it happened, you know, what led up to, nobody just, suddenly he was dead, he was drowned. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, he just decided one a beautiful Louisiana night, 
I, I don't know. Does the Mississippi run through the Louisiana? I, I don't know the, geography. Probably so because pretty- Mississippi is next to Louisiana in in the, the two states are next to each other. Okay, so let's pretend that I actually know stuff about yeah. geography that that's American and not European because I think I know more European geo better. So Jeff Buckley was on his boat and it was a beautiful night in Louisiana and decided to jump into the Mississippi. And then we never heard from him again. Now, a mystery can be, and if there are conspiracy theorists, like maybe he planned it. He might have hid somewhere and he's living another life somewhere. I doubt it. Like Elvis. (laughs) Oh, I totally doubt it. My feeling is that he planned it unconsciously. Yeah. And he might have like hit his head on a rock or something. You know, maybe he jumped in knowing of the danger within. Yeah, but not really fully consciously. I don't think he had it all planned out. Yeah, but the mystery deep within his layers. Yeah, I have done it for him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He was very deep. He had a lot of layers. And, you know, I've heard a a couple of stories about him. Um. I once read on the imdb.com that uh, it just says under Brooke Taylor uh, lived with Jeff Buckley. And Brooke Brooke Taylor Taylor is, she is the actress from Silence of the Lambs who was trapped in the hole. Oh, no shit. So that was his girlfriend? All IMDb says is lived with Jeff Buckley. It doesn't denote anything. Huh. And I, I've been reading that for, you know, I read that years ago and I thought, that's a really cool mystery. Like, I kind of don't want to know. I don't want to be confirmed, you know, because I just, I'm a writer. I like mystery. I like the never ending mystery. Like, you know, that's why I'm not really a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, you don't know where Jimmy Hoffa is. Just leave it alone, you know? Yeah. But, um, Okay. Yeah, so they lived together. Who knows if they were best friends, if they were lovers. You know what I mean? Sure. And I like the mystery that um, precludes Jeff Buckley. Uh, yeah. And again, when I was working at Tower, uh, Gary Lucas came in to play a live show. And this I don't know who that is either. He uh, was a frequent collaborator of Jeff Buckley's. Oh, and okay. We booked him at Tower right oh, after. Cool. Yeah, we booked him there right after Jeff Buckley died. And, and I got to speak to him about Jeff. And that was really cool. What did he have? Did he have anything to say that might be relevant to our podcast here? Uh, I mean, no, we were just kind of sucking his dick. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, Gary, I just, the world lost a, a beautiful light. And he's like, I know, man, you know, it was just one of those. I'm always not, I'm always the nonchalant. If I happen to meet a celebrity, I'm like, Hey, what up? I don't care anymore. I don't celebrity worship. No, I never did. I never liked that whole celebrity worship thing. The cool thing about musicians is like, they're always willing to talk, you know? Yeah. Me and a friend of mine met, uh, Steve Tyler in a uh, record store once, he was buying some Yardbirds albums. Oh, wow. That probably doesn't mean anything to you. 
But um, on their second I'm album, Darn Bird. Yeah, on the on the Aerosmith's second album, Get Your Wings, which is my favorite Aerosmith album, they did a version of Train Kept a Rollin', which is a Yardbird song. Oh wow! So he had these he had these Yardbirds albums. He's like getting back to basics. That's fucking awesome. I love Steve Tyler. Yeah, he's very short in person, actually. Oh, is he? Yeah. So cool. He just. The thing I love about Steve Tyler is like he had his drug rock and roll days, and he's now he's just a happy old happy. Yeah, happy pappy. Yeah, he's a happy pappy. All right, what's the next thing for Jeff? Oh, the next thing for Jeff is my laptop not going on. Uh, we were up to Uranus opposite Saturn. Okay. Why don't you take it away? No, we said we talked about that already. Oh, so Chiron opposing his Uranus and Pluto. Another I mean, here we go. Again, I don't have to say much about it if you've been following this podcast. Chiron is what needs to be healed. And it is opposing his Uranus and Pluto. So Pluto is the stuff that you bury and repress deep, deep down in yourself. You shove it way down out of consciousness. And Uranus also can be um, an indicator of trauma and things that, traumatic things that happen to people that they didn't expect and kind of like, you know, pulled the rug out from under them. Um, It's just a very difficult, uh, energy to deal with. So he sure. may have had things to happen to him unexpectedly in childhood um, that hurt him. And again, the Chiron is there for him to heal, but he didn't do it. He used his music and then he checked out. That's really interesting that they both did that. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, what does it mean? Like, it, a lot of people do that. These these two happen to be famous people who also had amazing talent from the same things that killed them, or that we think killed them. Yeah. Or led them to to you know whatever. Led them to their untimely death. And guys, I know we've uh, discussed Tim Buckley, uh, and that was because uh, next week will be our Father's Day episode, and we. We're thinking of Tim Buckley and Jeff Buckley, but we found a, a way more fun uh, couple, father and son couple. So, and Tim Buckley, I, I mean, unless you're a fucking music snob, you're not going to know who Tim Buckley is, honestly. He did that song Pink Moon, right? Or that was the yeah, other. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, um, what's his face? That was another British folk singer who, who killed himself. Yeah. <laughs> died under Nick Drake it was Nick Drake Nick Drake yeah I yeah but Tim Buckley was American oh I'm sorry Nick Drake was British oh party foul I party foul do you want to talk more about uh, Buckley Tim is that much Jeff? do I talk more about Tim and Jeff yeah yeah we're up to that well um, we skipped one we skipped Venus this 
Venus and the Sun, Mercury. We skipped it. We skipped his um, fourth house, all full of Scorpio. Oh, well. Uh, since we're talking about the, uh, Tim, I thought we would finish that and then go back to it. Okay. So is there more you want to say about it? Oh, yeah. Um, I always kind of had an instinct that uh, he would go in a similar fashion to his dad. I mean... Besides him singing about these beautiful love songs, you can feel the heaviness. Yeah, there's a melancholy to a lot of his music. Yeah, and stuff like uh, Eternal Life, one of my absolute favorite songs on the album. And um, I think it's a song of him challenging death. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, because I think, you know, maybe he never got over it. If I was six years old and my dad died, I probably yeah. would have been a tortured artist never getting over it. Yeah. Wow. You know? So, oh, he yeah. Had a lot of demons. Yeah. He had a lot of demons. Yeah, and I think he was completely traumatized by the loss of his father, and I don't think that ever left him, and I think that was what was at the bottom of his well of sadness. Yeah, nothing could cure it except his father. And he, right. he just kind of wanted to be with his father. And if you look at his chart, we'll go back to the thing that was before this. He has Sun, Venus, Mercury, Neptune, South Node, all in Mercury, all in the fourth house. And the fourth house, is your early is your family early family life and he has all that scorpio there so the, all that death scorpio rules pluto or pluto rules scorpio so he had all of that intense emotion because scorpio is intense emotion so he had all that intense emotion um venus obviously that's the love relationship he had with his father he loved his father the son was who he was Mercury is how he thinks. And then we have Neptune again there, you know, all the sensitivity. And then the South Node, he may have had an earlier lifetime where he killed himself or where he died under mysterious circumstances. But looking at that makes me think that his father, his father's death or suicide, it was suicide, right? Wasn't oh, Tim Buckley, Buckley suicide? Tim Buckley with an overdose. Okay. I don't think, I think that was, like I said, I don't think he ever got over that. And I think, you know, on some unconscious level, like you were saying, he, he decided he was going to go when his father, you know, at the same age his father went. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Sad. It always struck me like that, listening to his music. Especially when you're an empathic kind of person and you listen to very emotionally raw music, you you kind of get it. You kind of get where it's coming from. Yeah, I agree. And Jeff is much more watery than Jimmy. Much more watery. I mean, he had, you know, seven planets, if you count the node and, the, and Chiron, in, in water. Oh, wow. He had three planets in Earth, but it was Virgo, which is mutable Earth. Only one planet in fire in the 12th house. 
Oh, wow. And only one planet in air, the moon. So that was hard. The moon in Aquarius, I didn't mention it, but that must have been hard too because um, his mother may not have been available for him to help him through the loss of his father because Aquarius, it, when the moon's in Aquarius, it's very often distant and cold, you know? Again, yeah. speculation, but... I mean, uh, I mean uh, my mom and I growing up, again, my mom's in Aquarius. Um, we had a little hard time growing up before age 18. Yeah. Because you know, they can be very cold. And yeah. I'm a very sensitive person, so it didn't make for an ideal kind of growing up, but it also taught me a lot about being strong, which is odd to say. Anyway, my mom- We should mom talk about more things here. Strong. We should totally talk about more things here, David. Well, with both of them, we had, they both have their Chiron in eighth. But and they both have, um, Scorpio planets trining their Chiron. So those are two things they had in, in um, common that were, you know, a possible uh, indication of early death. We also wrote watery and drugs, similar death. But that's yeah. like all the 27 clubbers, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that and that's why I want to get more into suicide writers too, because um Oh, you wanna do what's her face? The one who put her head in the oven? That's Plath. No, yeah, that's Sylvia Plath. No, wait, who put rocks in their pockets? Wolf or Plath? It wasn't Sylvia Plath, she put her head in the oven. All right. Plath was the oven. Virginia Wolf put rocks in her pocket. Charlotte Perkins Gilman used chloroform. There was Anne Sexton, too. I think she OD'd on pills. Yeah. See, now, when I was talking about before how you and I talk, um, we had had a conversation about a more people who would commit suicide in a more feminine manner, like pills or drowning, you know, yeah. and people who... Putting the head in the oven, you know, because women were supposed to cook the food. Back yeah. Then. You know, it was like in the 50s. Yeah, it was like a defiant thing. Yeah. And um like and men tend to go a little harsher and more violent in their ways out. Now this is obviously just a generalization. Every individual is different. Right. Well Jimmy and Jeff didn't, but they were too sensitive to do something violent. Yeah, the artists, yeah. Yeah, they were but then when later we get to our uh, our very violent death episode on two of our favorite figures, that's going to be a really intense conversation about violent suicide. Who are As you a, talking about, or do you not want to say? I didn't want to say. Uh, um, don't say then. Yeah, remember I wanted you to do the Magritte art for it? I do, but I'm not remembering the person. I'm sorry. You have the worst memory, I swear. I'm going to be your memory for the next 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> it runs in the family, both. I mean, my mother has Alzheimer's. My dad had a terrible memory. 
Yeah, I know. I know you're going there. Don't worry. I'll remind you. That's what I, I do. Hope I never get where I don't recognize you. Who are you, young lady? <laughs> or who are you, middle-aged woman? Oh, hopefully. I'll be like, I'm the one you're leaving all your shit to, all your paintings to. Well, I was going to leave some to Josh, too. Oh, yeah, don't worry. I'll make sure. Yeah. <laughs> your, your son and I you will. Get, you get Wonderland, though. I get Wonderland, but you your son Wonderland. and I will definitely be fair in splitting your art when you're done. All right, guys, I'm not dead yet. Yeah, I'm not dead yet. Not dead yet. <laughs> well, you're almost dead. No, actually, I feel quite a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the exact words. Uh, we have to. We have a Monty Python episode planned for later, don't we? Yeah. Well, now we do. Now yeah. I'm like, who can I compare in Monty Python? Um, I mean, Graham Chapman had a tragic death. Yeah. But again, we've already covered Keith and Freddie. Well, we, and can, we, can look and see, we can look and see if there was like, like tension between any of the members. You never know. I think there were some tensions and John Cleese had some drinking problems. Yeah, but anyway. there were basically three, three, three parts to Monty Python. You had the writing team of John Cleese and the guy who died. What was his name? Oh, Graham Chapman. <clears throat> and then you had the writing team of Terry Jones and Michael Palin. And then the other guy was on his own. Eric Idle. Eric Idle, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> he had George Harrison, so he was fine. He was friends with George Harrison, yeah. Yeah. And if it weren't for George Harrison, um, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, would never have gotten made because he gave oh, I know. a ton of money to get that made because he so loved Monty Python. Once again, even though I'm not a big Beatles fan, I have mad love for George Harrison. Yeah. Like, I have that album of his low, you know, the one where it's all the stuff he created for the Beatles that they didn't use. No, I never heard of it. You introduced me to it. I did. It's called low. Maybe it's not called low. No, but there's a David fun. Bowie album called low. Yeah. Because he's making fun of Nick Lowe. Are you, are you thinking of All Things Must Pass? Yes, that's it. Oh, Why do okay. I forget the title of it? Yeah. Yeah, that was his backlog of songs that the other Beatles would let him put on the records. Yeah, that they, album. They, yeah, there's one thing where there was bad blood. George. Yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah. we could George and John. Because John was the cunt, right? Yeah, John was the cunt. But... McCartney could be a dick too in his own sort of passive aggressive upper snooty class British way even yeah. though he, he didn't grow up upper class but he he was like a social climber kind of yeah. personality yeah he's Sir Paul McCartney now so guys you know when when all the Beatles at one time got some kind of award called uh, an MBE member of the British Empire, mm -hmm. and they all returned them to protest whatever fucked up political shit Britain was doing at the time. Really? Because I still call them Sir Ringo Starr and Sir Pat 
Paul McCartney. I think, I think, well, this was before they were, this wasn't being knighted. This was something else. Oh, 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 okay. And Sorry. then years later, they knighted McCartney. I don't think they'd ever knighted the others, just McCartney. Oh, okay. He was the only one left still making music. Yeah, and he also, you know, with conservation and economic, uh, ecology stuff, you know. Yeah. Make the world a better place through music and community. Right. But, um, so yeah, this is kind of like a little teaser into maybe a few months of episodes from now. We decided, because after doing this uh, 27 Club trilogy, we're like, all right, we got, we got to change it up a little and do more fun stuff. Yeah, and not we're done gym. with the 27 Club. Yeah, Janice and Amy were too depressing. Yeah, um, I'm tired of talking about Pluto all the time. Yeah, we need a new planet. <laughs> we need more Uranus, guys. Give As, us Uranus. I don't know about his sign, but I know his moon is in Uranus. Who? <laughs> That's from that movie, remember? With John Bush or um, Steve Buscemi. Remember I told you about that movie? No. Where they're making the movie. Oh, Living in Oblivion. Living yeah, in yeah, Oblivion. Yeah. And yeah. what's the name? Um, Catherine Keener hears these two girls talking about the, the big movie star and they're saying, I wonder what his sign is. And Catherine Keener goes, I don't know what his sign is, but his moon is in Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> I love Catherine Keener. What yeah. would we do without her? That's my favorite line from that movie. That's awesome. So yeah, guys. So anyway, um, we have, uh, we, we brainstormed and we thought of some really good, we, you know, a lot of people like birth chart readings when they buy, you know, get them professionally from Dave uh, about relationships. That's really the number one thing that people ask about. So we decided to focus more on relationships. For a while, uh, anyway. Yeah. We have some good things popped up for later. Uh, but, you know, permit us in the fall to have some spookiness because, you know, we have some fun spooky shit with actual serial killers and horror writers and shit like that. And then we wanted to just let's go on to relationships, any kind of relationship. You're still together. You're unrequited. You're a polyamorous three way. We got it all. <laughs> And I'm sorry uh, that maybe our uh, final any kind you know, of depravity. Yeah, <laughs> I I uh, I know our Jim Jimmy and Jeff episode. You know we're a little tired from the 27 Club, and it could have been a little better. Sorry about that, but uh, that's probably why we're chatting about bullshit like movies and other music. So you know how yeah. cool we are. <laughs> That just kind of happened organically. I mean, we're talking about musicians. No, I know. Yeah. But it's time to go beyond the musicians. We have artists, guys. Art. Yeah, remember, artists. Does anyone remember art? Well, we... <laughs> Do you know where that's from? Yeah, I know. I know. It's um, Robert Plant on uh, Song I, the Same. I did a Led Zeppelin reference for you and i don't even Thank like you. them that much i, I mean you that. got me into them more and i like a lot of their music now but i'm That's not obsessed good. yeah well they're still one of my all-time favorites but 
I think after 1975, Plant's voice was just gone, which saddens me because he was my favorite singer, rock singer, and he just, his voice just got ruined. I don't know why. Well, you know who else's favorite singer he is? I know, Tori Amos, you told me. Yeah. Oh, I did. <laughs> yeah. Tori, yay. Yeah, he was great, but now I can't listen to him. His voice is just so shot. You know, it'll be a cool uh, do Alistair Crowley and Robert Plant. That would be a fun birth chart comparison. No, what would be better would be Alistair Crowley and Jimmy Page, because Jimmy Page was into ritual magic, and he bought... He bought he that. Yeah, Crowley's not Plant. House. I'm sorry. I always get that wrong. Jimmy Page. Yeah. yeah, he owned Crowley's house on on the shores of Loch Ness. Yeah, yeah. We need to do that. I'm looking up Crowley. Yeah, that would be good. Jimmy Page and Alistair Crowley. That would be a good combination. I like it. Again, guys, please give us suggestions because we're up to anything. He was heavy What? He was heavy duty into Crowley. That's and awesome. Magic. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, guys, uh, I guess we'll uh, start tuning out now. Uh, yeah. Thank you for enjoying us for the we'll last. Just gradually wind down until our voices become very slow. See? See, he's still and then not. we pass out. See? He's still not letting me talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't say sorry. It's so fucking adorable. Talk. Yeah. Speak. I am talking. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Next As week. Do I. Yay. Next week is our Father's Day episode. And oh, yay. Are we yeah. saying who or are we going to keep it a secret? Um, I kind of tweeted one random person what it was. So it's up to you. We can announce it. I like announcing it at the end of the show. I think that's fun. Do what you like. It's, it's up to you. All right, well, we thought of a great Father's Day episode, and um, Jeff Mal Art, uh, Jeff Malinowski, uh, he'll be doing the art for uh, Bruce and Brandon Lee. Uh, concept for his uh, drawing is awesome, and um, it's our Father's Day episode, and I thought, how much more fun would it be? I, and like Jeff Buckley, Brandon Lee lost his dad at an extremely early age. I mean, your formative years when you're six years old and you need your dad. And yeah. he taught him so much. I mean, I'm sure he did, you know, even did you after. Did ever get the information about how Bruce, Bruce Lee died? Oh, man, you're making me sound bad. No, no, I haven't yet. I hope well, I'm not trying to make you sound bad. It's just something we, it's just information we didn't have yet. No, I know. I'll have it. Re I'll have it. Uh, I'll look it up. <laughs> right look it up too. You know, it doesn't matter. Oh uh, yeah. We yeah. Both do, we both do research. That's true. And I like this because neither of them died of drug overdoses or yeah. Maybe, you know, yeah, they we've both had enough act, drug overdoses. Yeah, they were. Yeah, enough of it. We they died accidentally. Brandon Lee tragically on the set of The Crow from a blank yeah. fucking bullet. I mean, uh. From a I'll what? I'll talk about The Crow next week, though. That's one of my favorite movies. What did he die from? A blank bullet. A blank bullet? Yeah, like, a, uh, you know what? I will get the, tr the actual. All right, we'll tell the story. We'll, we'll 
we'll I'll get the actual factual yeah. for next week. Yeah, we'll go into it next week. He died on set making the crow. I know that. I yeah. Know that. No. Yeah. All uh, right, guys. Cheerio. Pip, pip. Um, Don't uh, over overdose on drugs, people. Stay have school. fun. <laughs> have fun, troubadours. Bye.